2: Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of...
1: I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo.
2: I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I have skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. If a film wins all five major Academy Awards, you can bet your bottom dollar that we're going to watch and talk about it. It's another Jack Nicholson film this week with one flew over the cuckoo's nest
0: this week on Zack on Film.
1: Oh, this one's a toughie. This was a toughie.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, and a number of different different reasons. Um, oh,
1: emotionally, this was I haven't had this hard of a time getting not getting through, but this hard of a time processing a film since Taxi Driver. Why? Emotionally, this one just kills. I've never seen this before.
0: Oh, okay. So, I, I've seen it twice, and I've also seen it. Or so today would have been the third day, but I've also seen it as a stage play, and knew people that were in the play, so I was very familiar with, very right. familiar with the story as it plays out.
1: Yeah. Well, and i I had a knowledge of the story and a basic expectation of how it ended, but I, I mean, this well, one. I mean, it, I sat down and I'm like, OK, well, sometimes during Zach on film, I will multitask, could not do that here. And as things were going, I'm just like, oh, God, don't know. Don't do that. Don't don't. Oh, they did it. Oh, oh, oh,
0: just. Ugh. Well, I mean, this movie has been riffed on so many times. Family guy yeah. and Simpsons do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can talk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, how come you never talk before? Nobody ever talked to me before. It was, that, that was, I think, in a Simpsons episode.
1: Yeah. Uh, That that was a great moment. I didn't realize what year was Taxi Driver seventy three,
0: something like that. I'll look it up here. Uh,
1: I didn't realize how very seventies, even though this movie's set in nineteen sixty three. How very seventies. This actually was going to be.
0: Yeah. So uh, Taxi Driver came out the year after One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm-hmm.
1: There's, a, there's a very similar sort of aesthetic at play here, I think.
0: Chinatown came out the year before this.
1: Yes. Which, again, another-
0: boom, boom, boom.
1: Yep. Yeah, I know, right? But, okay. Is this – I've said this before, and now I think we have a winner for the greatest Hey, It's That Guy movie of all time.
0: Okay go
1: everybody in this movie is hey it's that guy because yeah, the, uh, yeah. go ahead with Jack your favorite nicholson walks in and then you you got danny devito which i keep you forgetting i'm Doc like who is this Wait, short what? little guy yeah it's Danny DeVito. the short
0: guy is danny devito and i kept yeah. looking at him going man that guy is short because i i thought at one time that i knew that danny devito was in this movie but that guy yeah. does not look like danny devito Oh, that's weird martini and,
1: is a very young danny devito yeah and it's you crazy got Vincent Chevelly, the professor from Fast Times at Richmond High. Yeah, you got Doc Brown.
0: Yep, Christopher Lloyd.
1: Did you recognize him? He's Christopher Doc Lloyd. Brown? He's the guy that was Lloyd at the, the very guy end, with the wild eyes
0: that was yelling and, and screaming after the Indian was cheering uh, after Chief broke through the window and ran off. He was the one that woke up at the end that's, and was watching him Doc run off. Brown.
1: That's Christopher Lloyd.
0: Yeah, with his head shaved off.
1: Yep. His
0: hair shaved off. Sorry.
1: And wait, he's the guy that that wait? Hold what? on,
2: Is he also in Star Trek?
0: Yes, he Christopher is Christopher Lloyd. Okay, is, is okay. The so that bad was guy driving me up
2: the wall because I couldn't figure out who he was, and I went on his IMDb
0: page, and yeah, the only
2: thing I saw was Star Trek.
0: Well, but that was, was Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan from like a long, long know, time ago. Okay, I never saw any Commander but I, never saw, any,
2: Commander but I yeah. never saw any Doc Brown things on there. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd yeah, is yeah back Doc to the Brown. future. He's also. Yeah. I Reverend did not Jem. see it on his IMDb page. Really? Do you remember the it tall me guy? Out. That's with why the I couldn't remember
1: who it head? was. The really tall guy who was who was standing against the wall yeah, with his the arms Yeah, Michael Berryman, he was the lead in The Hills Have Eyes.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: He was also one of the mutants that you it- see. Everybody in this is a hey, it's that guy. Even um, uh, Harding, who I've seen in several different things, and Brad DeReef as, as little Billy and the weird bald guy. Oh, what's his name? Which uh, weird bald Bob guy? Cheswick. Chessy. That weird bald guy. I know from something. I think he was in Carrie as one of the teachers, but yeah, he, it, I mean, this is a, just a, it's like they went and they said, give me every super talented character actor you've got. And if they're funny looking double up. Yeah. And, Chuck them in a room and oh my God, what an experience.
0: I mean, it is, I mean, it is a tour de force as far as acting goes, because everybody does have to take on a very unique personality, very Mm -hmm. unique problems Mm -hmm. and convey that. Um, I don't know. I think probably there are so many themes and motives that you, uh, motifs that you can look at in this, in this movie. I mean, you can look at the depiction of the mentally insane or the mentally impaired. Yeah. Um, and you could look at their treatment. Now, granted, mm-hmm. I mean, we sh- saw shock treatments in this, which, again, a lot of this is product of the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So in the 1960s, it was still very common to give yeah. someone a shock treatment to calm them down. Yeah. And you see him going in saying, hey, I've got, a, you know, um, what's his name? Um, Cheswick, is, Cheswick is is needs to be a little relaxed and they go in and he's happy to go in and do it. He's not fighting his way to go get shock therapy. hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the big end where uh, Jack Nicholson's character has been given the lobotomy oh. was still oh. very common back. Then. I mean, lobotomies have been a means of curing what ails you for mm-hmm. a long, long time. Mm-hmm. I find it very disturbing. Brutal. It's super. Disturbing. That's
1: brutal. And that's the point really where the movie kind of, to me, I don't want to say it went off the rails, but did a left turn that I was not really expecting i didn't i didn't expect that ending because it had been played kind of as maybe a a vulgar more grown-up version of a movie like meatballs where the weird guy comes in and instigates people to be better people and then at the end they all leave and they're happier for the experience yeah that's what i'm expecting yeah and then you get to the end and it's like no society has crushed him Mm -hmm and his best friend has to kill him in order to he cannot stand to let him live in that boy we have spoiled this movie already but yeah he cannot stand to to see mcmurphy living in that in that fashion so he literally smothers him with a pillow oh my god i did not see that coming
0: huh. <laughs> there are and i wish rodrigo was here this week he's out but it's very weird there's a lot of ways you could read this movie, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. who who runs the asylum? Zach, Nurse Nurse Ratchet, Ratchet and her little minion, yes, right. Yeah. So, you can look at, um, in this case, uh, another theme or motif that you can look at as women as castrators, as you know, having complete control over the men and being yeah. able to get whatever that's done. That's one yeah. way you can look at this movie. W- who else is in control of the asylum?
2: McMurphy. No. Kind of. The doctor? Oh, oh, wait.
0: oh, no, not necessarily the doctor because he's rarely no, no, there. No. But who are the yeah. other three, four people that are in Ooh, charge oh, of the, the inmates? The, muscle the orderlies. Guys. The, orderlies. Yeah, the orderlies. And what is their race? Uh, All of, of the orderlies uh, are African American. Yes. Which is weird. I mean, it's not weird, weird. Um, I think it's But it's, but it's but yeah. interesting to it, see that, you know, in a world where. We talk about the white man is in control and is in charge of everything mm-hmm. where in this, in this asylum, everything is flipped around where all of the inmates, except for chief mm-hmm. is white mm-hmm. and they're being controlled by women and minorities.
1: Right. The women, the women have the minorities there for <laughs> when they get out of hand. Well, it's a, a very, a very seventies kind of take or on things.
2: They've been relegated to the lowest place that you can control someone.
1: Well, and the Uh, thing about it is, but but I mean, if you
0: think about, if you think about how, when we talk about, when people talk about race, not, not necessarily us, but when people talk about race, about how, you know, the white man does this, this, and this, but in this movie, it's totally flipped around. Well, mm -hmm. where the, the white male is being subjected by Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the minority and,
1: the female. but you also look at this as nineteen really weird. Uh, yeah this yeah. is nineteen seventy six I think that that's an intentional kind of i th- i thought it felt microcosm. very
0: i thought it felt very intentional because i don't think normally well in a and we do see some white orderlies there um the the good humor men that that drop uh Nicholson's character off are white um mm-hmm. so we do see other white orderlies, but when we look at the main characters. Mm -hmm. in that ward that is the breakup
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and they are all impeccably dressed in their crisp white shirts and Mm -hmm. their ties Mm -hmm. and then when the you know our our characters all of the the main characters in the asylum are kind of you know sloppily dressed even if you look at you look at mcmurphy he shows up and he's kind of slovenly, but he's got his blue shirt and his cool jacket and his little cap. He's very distinct. As he's in there longer, his wardrobe starts to get more and more, mm-hmm. you know, the the rumpled weird stuff. Those guys always remain crisp in the white yeah. shirts and the ties. And when they come in and when they have to resort to the violence, which they do at least twice in the movie – I think that's an intentional point. Is we see people in their shirts and ties, they're the ones who come in and they will smack you down. Yeah, you know that that cultural I, yeah, sort of bias.
0: this was the very first time that I really noticed like that cultural mm-hmm. shift, you know, shift and inversion, yeah. and it was really kind of weird. But it it may be very intentional. I'd
1: um, say it would be in 1975. I, yeah,
0: I mean, I, I, that's what I want to lean towards. Is that that's what it was? But again, I'm in, I'm putting my bias on top of. Sure of that. I found it very interesting because it could in it in itself say a lot about society at that time mm-hmm. by doing that. I guess the question for you Zach is um was Murphy getting the best of the system or was the system getting the best of Murphy? McMurphy, sorry.
2: Uh Well, I think it's a little I think it's a little bit of both. I think throughout a majority of the film uh McMurphy does. He kind of controls in a way, at least not the the, the people that surround him. Mm-hmm. He has a great influence on how they're interacting and controls uh what they're doing, mm-hmm. and which is against the establishment. Right. But in the end, the establishment wins.
0: Right. He, so uh, uh, McMurphy comes in as the as the anti establishment. Yeah. And And even though he messes up the system, the system still beats him down to the point where if we have to, we will
1: remove all humanity from you. Yeah, remove what
0: makes you you.
1: Yeah. Which is very depressing. He makes a lot of noise and he makes a lot of waves. But when we get down to it, as you watch Nurse Ratched, as the others start to act up. She clamps down harder, mm-hmm. and the point where she actually sends uh McMurphy and chief and uh uh Biba bladmer rhymer in to get their e c t that's the point where all of the others who had been acting up are like, "Oh, crap, she can still do stuff to us,
0: yeah,, yeah. and mm-hmm. then
1: immediately afterwards we get that revelation that most everybody is there voluntarily, yes, with the exception of McMurphy Chief and Doc Brown. Who are all there and can be committed and held essentially indefinitely. Right. And that changes the whole Mm. thing. They've not only does she have this power, and not only is she willing to clamp down harder and harder as they act up. The men are allowing her. Yeah, they've
0: given her that power.
1: They have given her that power. They could leave. McMurphy cannot. And so it gives it a whole new angle where he's been agitating against the system, not realizing that Mm -hmm. he can't leave and they all could. And then, you know, when that's, I think, what leads us down the terrible path to the terrible end of
0: it. Yeah, I think when, you know, because when he does realize that he's he's one of those that can't leave and that he's stuck there. Right. Mm -hmm. You see him really try to change his attitude, but in a way that he's trying to be a little bit more sane, but he's then trying to be very much more cunning in the way that he's going to escape when he's first mm-hmm. there. He thinks it's a vacation or mm-hmm. you well, know, eventually he's going to leave with his sentence assume, over. Yes. When right. his sentence is over, he'll just leave and he's got it fine. As long as he acts right. a little crazy, uh, obviously the doctors don't believe that. And then when it, he realizes that I could be here for much longer, he tries to sh- straighten up, but he, it's not in his nature to do that. Right, right, right,
2: right. What I thought was interesting when reading about uh, this film in the sixty-two novel by uh, Ken Kesey, Kesey, I think is his right. yeah, Kesey. Kesey. Uh, The end. Well, the the whole the whole novel is narrated by Chief, mm-hmm. the character of Chief, and then the end, uh, all of the voluntary patients leave,
0: mm.
2: which I thought was interesting. Not just yeah. Chief escaping, but that they uh, like through McMurphy's death, they all decide. They, the, yeah, leave. they all choose to leave now. It's interesting I think it's it, it says different things it's a different ending. Yeah, and I be, think
1: that that may be kind of a cultural thing. What year did you say the book was written? 62. So 1962 is the beginning of the 60s. When it's made into a movie it's 1975, which is the middle of the malaise of the 70s. I can see why they made that change because that that revelation that those guys are there voluntarily mm-hmm is incredibly powerful for me, you know, watching this today. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy moly, you, you guys. Co- oh,
0: well, yeah. And that goes back to, to your point. There is yes, they could leave, but they choose not to. Yeah. Yeah. What does society come to when right. people can't stand up for themselves, take care of themselves, do things for themselves. Yes. They've got to rely on the system to take care of them or to try to figure out their problems. And the only way that their problems are being taken care of is through medication. Yeah. Through pills, through drugs, a happy pill or something.
2: One way that I really was drawn into reading this movie after I finished watching it uh, this weekend was the idea of how the system does not like when a person treats the people that they've deemed as lesser like normal people. Mm. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, they were, I think, and to go well, no, with this reading, they were all they all voluntarily came in there, which mm-hmm. we don't know why they all did. But I think a reason could be was that in the society, it was deemed if you have uh, these problems and issues that you are supposed to be hit, hit away into mm-hmm. in, a, in a hospital mm-hmm. in the hills. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way that you can live your life. And that's so we're going to keep you in here because you're dangerous. We think you're dangerous to right, right. society.
0: Well, that, that's an interesting point, because then when you see. When you see McMurphy treating the I'll just say inmates. Yeah. Um, inmates, yeah. As, as well. normal people, as people that can get out and function in society by taking right. them on the the boat trip. Mm-hmm. um, He knows. I think there's some part of him that knows that this is good for these guys to get out and do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Then that's when the hospital is like, I think we need to just send him back to jail. We need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. And Ratchet's like, no, keep him here. There's something that we can do with him here. Yeah. Right. And she's not
1: going to give up on him.
0: And I think you're right in that they get angrier at him when he shows that we can treat these people as people and not not lesser beings in society. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. a good observation, Zach. Thanks. And I I, think say, I mean, this is a good movie, but it's I mean, if all the ones on the list, this is not one of my favorites. It, it falls in the middle somewhere. It's a very good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's well put together. I think it's got some very conflicting messages uh, throughout yeah. the piece as far as um, how do we treat people with mental disabilities? How do we treat um, just each other? Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not saying that I, I poo poo the idea of sexuality because the exploration of sexuality is a big theme in this, in this movie as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but it just seems like so much to dump into one movie and try to do it in two hours that at times it, it seems like you start on it. You start going down this path to talk about this subject infidelity, for example. Right. And then you spend five minutes in a circle talking about it and you never bring back that subject again. There's no resolution to that mm-hmm. subject of infidelity. Um, that, it just feels like it just kind of was left hanging there.
2: What was interesting? No, no, you go. I'm about to do a long thing. You go ahead, Matthew.
1: That may, in fact, I think that was intentional because there are a lot of things brought up within the confines of this movie that you really cannot resolve, even for one character, in the space of a two-hour movie. And I think what it what it's really showing us is there are a lot of stressors. It's a very 70s thing of, what things brought these men here? What brought these men to the point where they're being voluntarily subjected to these daily, you know, terrible, terrible actions or, you know, just the ignominy of, of their day to day life. And so when each one has their little moment, I don't know. I don't remember if Martini ever gets anything, but but Andy, not Andy, Andy. Uh, Danny DeVito as Martini is probably the best part of the whole movie because whatever they do, Martini is giggling and happy to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. He's delusional. Right. What what has made Martini like that? What has made, you know, Cheswick so crushed? What has made the chief want to pretend to be deaf and dumb for, you know, years and years rather than deal with the other people in their life? And, you know, when you get onto that level, I don't think that the movie could successfully address much less resolve each and every one of those things, especially with a cast this size. There's 18 guys in this movie. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. I think
0: I mean, I don't know. I think that that's kind of a problem, too, in that there is there are so many of them that it's hard to you get a very wide stroke or a very, you know, a very big brushstroke of what is Cheswick's problem um what is harding's problem what is tabor's problem it's just very brushed over the surface so unless you kind of know what their problem is it becomes harder to identify to me when we look at martini he instead of someone who comes off as someone who's delusional he just mm-hmm. some comes off as someone who is perverse um is how he comes <laughs> off <laughs> much of the time um so i yeah, I just I, there are some problems with bringing up some subjects. It's like, hey, everybody, let's talk about this subject. Oh, let's let's not. Maybe this is too much for audiences to to talk about this subject or that subject. And they mm-hmm. bring so much up.
2: Uh-huh. It, that's an idea. That is something I think about a lot when I watch a new movie or just I watch a watch movie in general is how. I've always had this desire for films to do weird things Mm -hmm. that resemble a normal day life. Like you meet someone and and something happens, but you're only there for like 10 minutes. Like they don't put weird encounters with people that you have with people in movies because it's a weird, loose Mm storyline. And um, while we have those in our lives and we are comfortable with them. It's almost like bad storytelling, even though if it resembles more of a life that we're familiar with. Yeah. You know, like I've always wanted a movie to uh, be 20 minutes long and like you build up a person and then they just die like in a car wreck. Yeah. Just, it happens, but it's like, like that's, that's not so, the best storytelling. No, no, no. But mechanism. you know, honestly,
0: in the original ending of Clerks. We're following Dante's yeah. day who's not supposed to be there. Right. And then right. if you watch the alternate version yeah, on the uh, laser disc or the Donald, special edition Blu-ray or something, he, he gets watch. killed at the end of the movie. Yeah. And then, you know, Smith was like, well, that would be yeah. the irony Wein- of this person's day. Yeah, sure. And they're like, no, you got to have that. Yeah, happy Weinstein ending.
2: Weinstein told him, like, that was a, he told him it was a cop out. Like, yeah. you didn't know how to end it. So you just killed him.
0: Yeah. And that may be, I don't know. I don't think that McMurphy's character is a cop out by giving him the lobotomy and then chief no smothering him and running off. That's definitely not a cop out here. It's just a sad. It's a sad tale of if you're Mm anti-establishment, if you're the nail poking your head up, you're going to get hammered and you're going to be left with an empty shell. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I think that is reflective as Matthew said of uh, many of the characters in there of the laziness of the seventies or the inability to motivate themselves of the, of the seventies. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's a very—it's almost like an anti. It's a disempowering message. Don't be different. Don't be crazy. You're going to end up like <laughs> yeah. Murphy. You know, don't don't go against the grain. Just go with the flow, man. Go with the flow, and you'll be fine. But the minute yeah. you start causing problems, the system's going to kick your ass.
1: Yeah, so I don't know if I get a go with the flow vibe from this. Because well, but
0: I mean, by saying go with flow, I don't mean lay back and easy. I'm saying do what the establishment wants you to do. Well, even the minute I mean, that the flow is still, disrupted, Ratchet gets really upset. Mm-hmm.
1: There's still a countercultural message here because the end of the movie turns out to be about the chief. It's interesting that Zach said that the chief was the narrator or whatever in the movie or in the, in the book rather because the last scene of the movie is him running off and escaping over the horizon. And in movie shorthand, he was never heard from again. He's gone. Mm -hmm. He got away. Mm -hmm. And I think that that may be what this, this movie isn't necessarily about Randall McMurphy, but we got, you know, we get tied up in what happens to McMurphy. McMurphy, is kind of ground down by the system. But what's the first thing we really? The first interaction between McMurphy and Nurse Ratched is her very calmly saying, your hand is staining my window.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we get to the point when they actually start arguing. He finally gets 10 people to vote. She changes the rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The vote has changed. I mean, she is clearly, if not malicious, at the very least malevolent. And throughout this whole film, you know, we're, we're kind of expecting to be behind McMurphy. McMurphy has a terrible end. And then it turns out that maybe he wasn't the one who was actually going to get out of the system. Because mm-hmm. Chief had been part of whatever was going on in, in, in the uh, hospital there for, I think, did they say years? Did they give yeah, any time? He's, he's been there he's for been years. He's been there for years. He's been there
0: longer than anyone else. That's why everyone right. just assumes that he's. He's deaf and dumb
1: that he's deaf and dumb. And he finally got the wherewithal to leave. So, you know, I can, I can definitely see the point. It is a depressing ending. It's an ending that kicked me in the nards on a couple of levels because Billy also has a terrible, terrible end. Yeah. But you know, when you get into this movie, it's a, it's a very seventies movie. It's a very dark movie. And like I said, it feels a little a little bit like that same vibe of Taxi Driver where average people get caught up in something that's way, way, way beyond them and maybe they die at the end and maybe they don't.
0: Well, there's I – mean, and I would really point people because I was getting some of these notes um, from a website called Spark Notes, yep. um, which has a really good analysis of those. Oh, yeah. We. we use it all the time in high school to not read books. Is it like the cliff notes? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's Internet cliff notes. Okay, Um, but there's this really good section where it talks about the sacred nature of the individual and how McMurphy is there trying to say, hey, all of these people are individuals. I'm going to treat them as individuals. I'm not going to treat them as a group. Mm -hmm. And how even then the chief then returns that favor by saying, hey, I'm not going to treat you, McMurphy, as this outcast of society. I'm going to treat you like a human being who shouldn't live like this. And so therefore Mm -hmm. he kills them and then and then moves on. Um, and that's fine. And and Sparknotes, uh, like I said, that was the f- um, most in-depth I've ever seen a movie analysis go into because I've never seen Sparknotes pop up before in our movie yeah, analysis. Yeah, they do. Um, and maybe because this is coming from maybe the book instead of the movie. But no, sure. it's, it's actually under the film study guides. No, um, maybe they do do films. And I that's do. where it's coming up with all these themes and ideas of sexuality and, and uh, women in control and allowing you to be taken over and mm. symbols and all these kinds of things. It's it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Um, you ever, well, ah, but, never mind. Okay. Uh, you were going to go into a big, long thing. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I was going to go into it. When, uh, when we watch a movie on Zach on film, one of the first things I usually do is read the review that Roger Ebert did because right. uh, the more I read, his writing is just like, it's just wonderful. Uh, so he initially watched this film when it debuted in Chicago, and and people like went crazy for it, right? Yeah, it, so he, it, was, he, it had a
0: great reception. Yeah, he
2: he then wrote a review in '73, and he he was kind of down on it a little bit. He only he gave it like, he his four stars. He gave it three out of four stars in that review, but he was kind of down on it. He he talked a lot about you, or he talked about the mixing of the messages and he didn't complete a lot of things. There's some contradictory things, uh, okay. throughout the film. But then in like 2002 or something, it was like almost 30 years later, he reviewed it again and he put it as one of his great movies. Like, he, mm. like even if it's a four out of four, he doesn't always put it as one of his like great movies, which are right. like way the movies might like, we watch in this show right, to right. an extent uh and he loved it he he said he was he went into it or was now uh analyzing it from the wrong mindset the first time he watched it he was too down on it and uh it it just stuck with him And that that idea of movies that stick with you i think is really interesting cuz f- most of the times i feel they're not always the best movies yeah. but they're movies uh, that just, that you think about for a long time. I oh, think, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, Scorsese makes movies that I don't think are technically the best films ever made, mm-hmm. but a lot of his movies stick with me for a long time after I watch them. I think I thought about raging bull a lot since we watched that, mm-hmm. uh, the wolf on wall street. I thought about for like weeks. Yeah. And I don't think. It's not even the best Scorsese film. It's no. not. It's not. It wasn't even the best film that anywhere close to the best film that was released last year.
0: But it is a movie that i have thought about a lot. That pops into my mind every once in a while too. Still, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I think this movie for me, why I may I'm kind of maybe off put on it is mm-hmm. maybe I'm coming at it from a different. Perspective than sure. what Ebert did in that the first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh wow, this is it! Yeah, man, down with the man! The, yeah. You know, the man is evil and the mm-hmm. man is is wrong, and a society. You know, we're just not treating people right." Okay, yeah, he didn't he did like that at the beginning the first time he saw it. Yeah, and I, I remember I had to have been in a film class or something that I watched this and was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is this is right, man." Then I saw the stage adaptation of it, and the stage adaptation was not well done. <laughs> And I think that turned me off the movie Yeah, because Don't then when care. I watched it again, when I was in um, Atlanta in the late nineties, um, I think I had to just, I was watching it with some people I didn't care for and have bad feelings towards. <sighs> sure. And so I think that that probably stuck with me. And so then when I watched it again, it's like, I know all the, I know all the beats. Yeah. Right. I know what's coming up. I know how these things are going to happen. So now I could kind of step back and watch at it from maybe some of these different, different things that now, because I'm already hypercritical on it, I'm going to be yeah. even more hypercritical on right. It. right, right. And I think that maybe, and it's not saying that I, I hate this movie. I'm just saying right. it's, it's good, but it's not to me mm-hmm. the awesome nominated for nine Oscars winner of five type well, things.
2: Yeah. I mean, it really depends on what else came out yeah, yeah, that yeah, year, yeah. but uh reading some other stuff, I really want to go back and watch this again from an editing standpoint, mm-hmm. because yeah. they talk a lot about, uh, the trick of editing where reactions are all determined on the surrounding narrative. Mm-hmm. They, they talked about that a lot in film or in an editing theory at the beginning where they show a man, they show a bowl. Of soup, right. And they, they, we've talked about this before. Right. they said they use this a lot where the regular patients, Facial expressions don't ever change, really. Mm-hmm. They're all pretty much the same thing. Right. But when um, he starts talking, like they, they give the example of the boating trip when he's telling them they're all doctors. Right. And it's really funny. Yeah. yeah. But he said that that funny is all because he's setting it up and they're just going Notting to his yeah. their normal reactions of anything that would be happening. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they're actually just hamming it up. Right. And acting like doctors. Right which I think is interesting and go back and look at how their expressions never change, But depending on what subject matters mm-hmm. uh, 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 being talked about at that moment, what emotions, it seems like they're emoting. So it's yeah. an interesting idea. Then you yeah. need to go back and watch and look at it again.
1: I'd like to look at this in and comp- competition to um, what was it? The Amadeus same, director. Uh, same director. Yeah. I yeah. did not realize that, but you can, Kind of see a similarity of a point of view, which I kind of enjoy. I have, yeah, and that one didn't necessarily stick with me the same way, but yeah, I right. really liked the visuals as they were put together here. And I liked some of the scenes that really kind of underlined how closed in the characters were. They made really great use of the set. Oh, yeah. Although the bit with the tub room confused me for a minute, but you yeah. Know. Well, yeah, yeah because I mean.
0: it's like, why is there a lamp? in there why are these things in there that
1: why are they playing monopoly and why is danny devito in a tub well
0: and it's just i mean i don't know i've never been in a mental hospital Mm -hmm. Um, and i certainly have never been in one from the 1970s yeah um but it seems like there were a lot of very dangerous things within reach of potentially And maybe they were on a different ward because we did go up to a different ward, and maybe these were the people that were Mm low-risk people because they're all there voluntarily. But what happens to Billy the Club, um, that is something that should never have happened regardless of whether someone was a high-risk or uh, low-risk person. yeah. yeah. Um, To just have something that they could break and cut themselves with Mm -hmm. is just – Ah, yeah, That's and, and then, you know, electricity close to water. It sounds like a bad idea, <laughs> yeah. but let's go ahead and do it. And again, it's, it's the times and the reflection of the times. But I just, mm-hmm. you're right, Matthew. I looked at that scene. I was like, that does not make any sense.
1: Yeah. And they actually, um, I believe it was the doctor's office that they locked him in. I thought the implication was that the picture of the fish that they discussed in that early sequence may have been the thing that he broke to get to the glass. Oh, mm-hmm but i don't know if that's actually in the film or just my my brain working on it
0: no cuz uh, yeah. the doctor's office was outside of the ward he was locked up in one of the rooms
1: in the there. yeah yeah he yeah. was
0: he was off to go get cleaned up and get his morning started or something
1: he was in some sort of office cuz he was lying yeah. next to a desk well minion yeah. the,
0: the minion girl who as you watch her she's really weird too because you're talking about expressions her expression yeah. doesn't really change throughout the whole movie and she has very few lines mm-hmm. i think she's at like 3 lines yeah. in the entire movie but you can tell when Ratchet is getting upset even though her expression doesn't change. Minion's face is you can tell that she's a reflection of and because she's Uh always right by her side, right hand, always just slightly back Mm -hmm. that this is the ratchet in training. Uh, And that's why I call her Minion because she she acts that way throughout the whole movie.
1: At the end, when Cheswick has his meltdown about his cigarettes, she is visually frightened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little nurse. I don't know. Does she even have a name? She
0: does. I have um, no idea what it is. The I think nurse. it's Lila L- or Layla or something like that. Um, no. I'll look it up. But um,
1: can, can we talk for a moment about how cool it was to have Scatman Crothers pop up in the middle of this movie?
0: Oh, yeah. Especially when a few years later, uh, Jack Nicholson will be back to put an axe in his back. Spoiler alert. <laughs>
1: well, for me, it was fascinating because you know this movie does have some seriously salty language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, there there's a point. Where his character, Orderly Turkle, realizes he's going to lose his job. <laughs> yeah. And it's F bomb, F bomb, F bomb. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, Hong Kong Fooey just said F. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's really a wonderful sequence. And the bit where the night supervisor shows up and he's trying to shine her on, nothing's going on here. Yeah, and then yeah. you hear, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I love the little bits and all of the little moments in here that are just. They're comedic in a terrible way. Mm-hmm.
0: Nurse Pilbo is what she's listed as here. <laughs>
1: Pilbo. 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 Hello, oh, I am Nurse Pilbo.
0: <laughs> but so this definitely, this this site that I'm reading definitely has to be about the book because uh, in the description, it says Nur- Nurse Pilbow, a strict Catholic with a prominent birth marker on her face that she attempts to scrub away. Nurse Pilbow is afraid of the patient's sexuality. Oh, ooh, interesting. Ooh.
1: Um. I don't see that in the movie. No, no, right? no, no, no.
0: definitely don't.
2: Definitely don't. I've rather the movie. So we're talking about readings into the film. But the director, I remind you, we should talk about him. Um uh, He Go was ahead. Foreman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's from Czechoslovakia, now mm-hmm. the Czech Republic. And he escaped. He left country uh, during, uh, you know, war the times Brock over spring. there. Yeah. yeah. And he says, this is uh, – to him an analogy for getting out of there, breaking away from the system and mm-hmm. coming to America. Right.
1: That makes sense. Yeah.
0: There you go. So what did you take away from the Zach?
1: Um you
2: know the, <laughs> you know, thinking back over Zach on film, I remember being A young stupid, Zach a, a walking young into Zach this
0: room, fresh and scrubbed. could
2: never had an answer for these things back in the first few episodes. Because I didn't know what I was doing, and then that's we got okay. to this middle. Then we got this middle part. And I was, yeah, yeah. I, had, I had some good stuff. Yeah. Now we're getting to a point. where it's like, what am I taking away from this? Mm-hmm. I don't know much anymore. I mean, there, that's legitimate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know anymore. Uh, I really. Uh, no, no. Hold on. There was a thing I haven't brought it up. That I didn't really know who the director was when we before I started watching this, but it felt foreign. It did not feel like an American director because a lot of the things I've been watching will show uh, horrible situations with a bluntness by not moving the camera ever Mm -hmm. and just letting the audience absorb whatever they're showing and not cutting to reactions of people or uh, or like quick cutting an action scene or something like that. They'll just stick there. And just let the actors be, let the scene unfold. It's usually subtle things. It's not big, uh, uh, like, dance numbers. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, right. like, horrible things right, right. that they just show on screen. They're not cutting away from it. They're just making you uh, see it and let it sink in. And, and like, how are you going to react to the situation? And that feels like a foreign thing to me. I've seen it in uh, some recent films uh, from directors from uh, like France and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so Milos did this a couple of times. One, uh, not uh, necessarily a brutal shot in any stretch of imagination, but when uh, Jack Nicholson's character is sitting next to the open window right before he escapes. Right. Like that's a really long shot of him right. just like contemplating what he's doing with his life and what he's yes. going to go on. And uh, then before he
0: falls asleep or after he falls the asleep. next morning, yeah. before
2: he falls asleep. It's a really long shot of him. Like at night, yeah, it's, it's an
0: interesting character piece.
2: There's, I mean, there, and there's a couple interesting instances like that and really some interesting camera moves at the beginning of the film mm-hmm. where we're almost like swooping in, for like these kind of go from like a oh like a full shot into like a tight medium kind of thing where we're just like swooping the camera and it felt really I don't, it almost felt weird to an extent because they weren't doing it often and it seemed to only be like in the beginning of the film when they were moving these cameras in these weird
0: Kind of mm-hmm. like because it seems, yeah. it seems unnatural and it off-kilter like, yeah, because yeah, you're yeah. going into a world that is not normal and not well, that natural. Is, that That's be. great. Okay. Do you yeah. think
1: that he was emphasizing the camera movements before they got inside and then suddenly constricted the camera movements to give you more of a sense of the claustrophobia once you're on the ward? It's possible. The other, That's kind of what I The
0: thinking. one weird shot that really kind of stood out for me is when – um The choking scene with nurse rat with nurse ratchet. If you think about it, instead of being right over Mm. Nicholson's shoulder pointing down, the camera is actually pointing down at her, but kind of up and back to where it almost looks like the camera's laying on its side and she's actually up against a wall rolling around.
2: Uh, Yeah, it's a really
0: weird shot. I mean, it's different. Yeah. And it's not like it's not like bringing it. And I guess the only reason why you would do that is. Because if you brought it down, the camera down lower in the frame pointing up, she would still have the superiority in the scene because yeah. of the angle of the shot. But by shooting that weird down backward angle shot, mm-hmm. you are diminishing and destroying the power that she has over everybody and everything in that. Right. In that yeah, scene. Yeah,
1: yeah. You're you're basically putting her back down on the same level or lower. Yeah. Well, definitely well, and lower. I, I, well, and, and, you know, metaphorically, they did that with her hat. Mm hmm. They dragged her hat through the dirt. And that I mean, that was the first symbol of what was about to happen. The nurse ratchet scene was really disturbing to me, Which because one, while choking I out we, Yeah. When when he's choking her, because that's the first indication, you know, that she's not like this giant powerful creature jack nicholson is considerably bigger than louise fletcher and when he grabs her and slams her up against the door and then throws her down to the ground my mind is like wait am i am i supposed to be on his side at this point yeah because it's it's really disturbing when he's he's trying clearly trying to kill her and some of the some of the shots that close-up shot of her with his hands around her throat. Yeah, with yeah. the exception yeah. of the fact that her throat isn't purple afterwards. Yeah. That's that's brutal. Oh, but her, her face is bugging weird. out, though. Yeah, it's pretty man. creepy. It's, it's creepy. like oh, a, yeah. that Jeez. shot at the
0: end of... Uh, um,
1: total Recall?
0: Total Recall. Total
2: recall.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> they said that... I knew where you were going. Uh, <laughs> I knew where you were going. And I knew it was going to go bad. That, but I went with you.
2: The first showing of the film, uh, Ewert said that... The crowd cheered when when they he strangled went, her, yeah, when he went in for the strangle, which well, because can, it's uh, really disturbing
1: well it's I mean it's that huge cathartic moment, and I have to admit the moment afterwards where she's in the neck brace, and she no longer has her mm-hmm. powerful sort of tones yeah,
0: she's been that's, that's satisfying
1: because whenever someone gets on her nerves, notice what she does. When he gets to the ward, he's Mr. McMurphy. When he displeases her, he's Randall. Yeah. When someone is on her wrong side, and this actress is so good at this. She was on uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine as the evilest evil that ever did evil, uh, Kai Wynn. Oh, yeah, yeah. She is so well-mannered and so perfectly toned and she just wants to do the best for you and you want to punch her until she goddamn dies. I apologize. That was probably our adult tag. But yeah, there that moment where she has clearly lost her power, I don't like the scene where she is injured, but the aftermath where she's clearly a shadow of herself is satisfying on on kind of a flat-out cathartic, lizard brain level. Well,
0: And that's what that whole moment is. This release of, you know, screw you, mm-hmm. screw you the man. Yeah. Or society or, you know, the system. And he's yep. lashing out the only way he can, because the system has kind of done this. She belittling Billy has caused him to go and commit suicide yep. or which attempt is, suicide, which is,
2: which is interesting. If, if you keep rooting into it of this moment of taking against the man, in this in this violent action trying to kill the man essentially. What do
0: we learn? That doesn't work. Right. Doesn't work. That you have to go about it a different way. Because that's what ultimately led to his lobotomy. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I find it interesting that uh your wife saw this movie before you did, Zach. She did. She watched this film
2: in high school in a psychology class. Interesting. Yeah. And she did she watch it again with you? Uh yeah. She didn't she ended up she didn't really want to. She uh, felt the ending was really disturbing. Yeah. And it went into a dark place that she didn't really uh, want to watch again. But I was watching it and she got home and I was just starting it. So she ended up watching it. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, Zach. Uh, anything else? Um, Let's see. I d- oh, excuse me. don't think there is, except you should head over to majorspoilers.com. And find this podcast posting page and give any of your thoughts and ideas about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or any other things that we've talked about in this episode of Zack on Film. While you're there, click on the Amazon.com link where you can go buy your very own Blu-ray copy of One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest or any other films we've talked about on this Zack on Film series. None of it is going to cost you any extra, but a little bit will come back to Major spoilers, help with server costs and equipment repairs and all things of that sort of nature. It will help us keep going week after week to bring more content to To you, next week we will be talking about the bridge of the river Kwai.
1: Nineteen hours long.